Hello and welcome to Prince Track by Track. I'm your host Darren and today we're going to be talking about Around the World in a Day. Uh, from the album Around the World in a Day, we are starting Prince's follow-up to Purple Rain. Uh, apparently, uh, by the time Purple Rain was in the cinemas, Prince had already recorded every single track for Around the World in a Day. And he was already doing overdubs and he was already getting ready to master it. And basically, he was ready as soon as Purple Rain came out to release another album. But Warner Brothers forced him to hold off for, you know, a kind of a year, basically. Um, and that's kind of the, the, I mean, I wouldn't say that's the start of his frustration with Warner Brothers because obviously, you know, he, that becomes well documented, you know, five or six albums down the line. But yeah, this is, Prince has basically already had an entire new album ready to go. And there are interviews on, you know, on the internet with the, the revolution. And they basically say Prince was already bored with Purple Rain by the time Purple Rain came out. Um, and it's unfortunate for everybody else that they enjoyed Purple Rain and they wanted to keep listening to Purple Rain because Prince was done with Purple Rain and 100% ready to move on. This was recorded on the 16th of September 1984 and released on the 22nd of April 1985. Um, it was, came from. It's interesting because this came from a track that was written by John Melvin and David Coleman, uh, brothers of... Wendy and Lisa, respectively, um, and they had a track that they started um, called Around the World in a Day, and they gave it, you know, they Prince heard it, uh, it's played to him by uh, Wendy and Lisa, and he wanted to know would, you know, would David and John give the track up to Prince? And, you know, they did. Uh, David Coleman gets a writing credit, uh, as does Pr Prince's father, John L. Nelson. Um, and so this is basically kind of like, and then Susanna also sang on the track. So basically you have the three Melvoin, um, siblings and you also have Lisa and David Coleman, and then you have a writing credit for Prince and for his father, John. So mm -hmm. very much people, uh, you know, exploiting nepotism at this point in Prince's career. Um, the track is only three minutes and 25, a very short opening track. Joining me to talk about it is Victor Azevedo. Hello, Victor. Uh, hey, Darren. Let's talk about what the direction Prince went in. Um, you know, a number of music critics at the time were saying, you know, that they expected Purple Rain 2. You know, <laughs> Prince just had this this album that sold 10 million copies. Um, you know, Purple Rain, he had a number one film, a number one single and a number one album all at the same time. The amount of times that's happened, you can count on one hand that's, <laughs> that it's, it's that successful. Not since, you know, Elvis had, you know, an artist had or the Beatles had someone managed to have those those things. Um, and to put this into perspective, the next time that would happen would be the Spice Girls would have a number one album, number one single, and number one um, you know film with Spice World. Um, so it's a long time before this happens again. And Eminem did the same thing with 8 Mile. So that's how rare this is, um, you know, that, the, that you could be this, you know, successful... Um, you know, Prince, um, you know, recorded at the Flying Cloud Drive in um, in Minneapolis, uh, Eden Prairie, Minnesota. So finding a kind of base for himself, getting closer to the point where he's going to have um, the studio that will be named after the next track, Paisley Park. Mm. Uh, you know, that is the, the label for this is Paisley Park. Uh, up until this point, his publishing company had been Controversy Music. So, you know, there were various bits and pieces to come together here uh, in Prince's life. And, you know, he he had seen, you know, what could be done in the warehouse, which is where he recorded, you know, this album. And he wanted something similar to that. But he also wanted the ability, you know, to stage concerts 
and to record music videos. Um, and so, you know, all of that starts to come together at this point. This is where Prince, he leverages his success with Purple Rain into the building of Paisley Park. But what he didn't do was follow up Purple Rain with Purple Rain 2. Oh, um, it- you know, he went in such a completely different direction that it bamboozled most people. Oh, look, and I remember when it came out. Like, I remember I remember this coming out and just thinking, hold on, why is this not... Like, I was, you know, I was a kid, but it's like, why is this not Purple Rain 2? And I think this yeah. might have been... I think every band... Like, every once in a while, you'll have a band... Like, you'll have bands have this particular album where they shed people. So they'll have one sound, everyone goes, oh, they're amazing, and all of a sudden they'll do a left-hand turn. And people just go, hold on, but that's not the same album. And then you lose people. And then there's always these people who stick on. And this, like, the whole yeah. album is, t- this song and this whole album is totally different. And, like, you, I, I couldn't believe it when you just said that this was done while Purple Rain was getting done. And it's like, how? How did this happen? It's like there's two different tracks, <laughs> there's two different types of music. Like, well, you got, you know, you got Purple Rain, which is essentially a, a rock album, you, Pretty much to an extent. Then you got this psychedelic yeah. album. I was like, how the hell did this happen? It's like kind of just went, oh, okay. <laughs> I was going this direction to see how we go and see if anyone wants to follow follow me. That's pretty much what happened, I think. That would yeah. actually would have lost a ton load of people who would just went, where's Purple Rain? Where's where's where's, where's Purple Rain? Where's <laughs> Let's Go Crazy? This can't be right. And especially like this being the first song, if people just went, what the hell's going on here? That would just freaked out about what what this this is the first track and it's totally different (laughs) it's also noticeable that um you know prince did there was no there was no single coming out before the album Uh, so you know with previous albums prince had usually had a single come out you know eight eight to six weeks before the album came out so you you know you had an idea of what was going to happen uh with this you know the album was released and then a month later raspberry beret was the first single um, and then Pop Life in America was the second single in, in the July. And then, you know, America was the final singer, single in like October, almost as an afterthought. So um, and of course, by the time by the time America came out, Prince was already in France, you know, doing the, the you know, the, the, under the cherry moon. So Prince Prince was already done with the album. And look, even even then for like UK, for the UK, Purple, uh, Paisley Park came out before Raspberry Beret. Like I remember yeah. seeing that video clip peering up on this this very famous music program called Countdown. It used to be on Sunday Sundays at six o'clock, and they made a big deal about this Paisley Park clip, and we never got the single. I think it was a, it was a UK single only. So like yeah, UK only, yeah. We did not. Yeah, that was the only way to get it. We had to buy it import, and of course you know, we had to wait for a record <laughs> store and pay. You know, three times the amount of money to buy a twelve to buy a twelve inch single of it. It was about I don't know. It would have been twenty. It would have been a twenty dollar record back in nineteen eighty six. It is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's also worth noting that around this time, you know, um, Prince obviously started winning a lot of awards for Purple Rain. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, in fact, I think it won an Oscar, if I remember rightly. So, you know, the success of Purple Rain was very kind of large, um, where, you know, this this album came out and it was almost like completely overlooked. Um, mm. And, you know, it is interesting that kind of, you know, obviously the cover is this kind of collage 
Um, you know, there's a there's a woman with a um, you know with a raspberry beret in there. There's a ladder in the middle, which obviously signifies mm. the ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, there's various there's various kind of clues on the front cover to all the different songs that are inside. And you know, this is you know this is not the first time that Prince hasn't been on the cover. Mm. But this kind of style, this kind of this kind of psychedelic collage thing, mm. particularly in 1985, it feels about 20 years too late. Yeah, because um, it kind kind of looks like the Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club. BAM cover. Essentially, it's the same thing, really. If you think about yeah, it. Yeah, but but I mean, with with paintings and pictures rather than you know yeah. with with you know actual photographs of people. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, and obviously Prince himself was constantly changing. You know, he was always thinking of the next album. Uh, you know, mm. we don't get to him. You know, once he actually does get Paisley Park, the studio, you then start to get the accumulation of songs in the vault. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so but also at this time we start to get like you know Prince had had B sides for everything from 1999 onwards, mm-hmm. and with this we start to get you know records that have two B sides. So clearly mm-hmm. Prince was not just you know doing like nine songs for the album. He was also doing a lot of extra songs that ended up as B sides. Yeah. Uh, which is not to say that the album was not you know reasonably well received. You know there were a number of publications that gave it you know ten out of ten. Um, mm-hmm. You know they gave it full marks. Uh, there were some others who gave it lower marks, yeah. um, you know, but it, it it was a relatively well received album, um, and I think that you know you can say that the the kind of the style of the the album, you know, like the direction it was going to take, is kind of uh, laid out here in mm. this this first song, which you know it has. Um, I mean, I'm going to list all the instruments that David Coleman played on the track because obviously you know he played them on the demo version. Uh, which is a cello. There's an oud. There's finger cymbals. There's a darbuka, and then he, you know, contributed background vocals along with uh, Jonathan Melvin. And you know, he Jonathan also played the tambourine on it. Um, you know, and you have Wendy, Lisa, and Susanna all doing background vocals as well. Um, and then Prince plays all the rest of the instruments. But it does kind of start with this slow build of you know these kind of strange instruments. You know, in the kind of in the background. And then gradually, you know, um, you end up with um, Prince kind of coming in and um, and starting to sing about, um, you know, <laughs> the kind of the lyrics, which, you know, I think obviously the album itself is aiming, like we say, to be a kind of uh, Sergeant Pepper type thing. Obviously, mm. the title actually Around the World in a Day was was not Prince's, you know, that was the that was the name of the demo. Um, there is some music that was um, that was kind of contributed by Prince from uh, I can't remember the name of the track. It was like a it was like a different track, you know, that he kind of then added to to this particular song. But yeah, you know, it's it kind of it, it kind of goes with kind of like the ultimate kind of like hippie lyrics. Oh yeah, where Prince is you know talking about open your heart, open your mind. Mm. A train is leaving all day. You know, like. Yeah. Kind of just these weird kind of, you know, the invitation to kind of travel basically and kind of take take a break from your your kind of your regular work, you know, your workaday world basically, um, you know, a wonderful trip through our time and laughter is all you pay. Like, you know, the idea of not you know not caring about money can obviously only come from someone who has just had a record that sold ten million copies and basically is about to build his own studio. You know. Uh, and you know obviously the chorus is just around the world in a day repeated a couple of times yeah. Prince even starts the second verse by saying now dig 
which, yeah. <laughs> which you know feels yeah. like such a kind of 1950s hip cat type of dialogue that he's, he's using here because the other thing is too it, 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 it actually if you listen to the lyrics it actually talks about other songs on the album so there's like a reference to the ladder and the red, white and blue from America and there's other little, yeah. little tidbits. So essentially the song is just setting you up for the rest of the album. It's kind of like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into this kind of late 60s hippie kind of thing. This is what's going to start on. Okay, here we go. And then all things, everything comes from that. So I reckon he's just, he's just yeah. setting everybody up for this. This is Okay, this is the first track. This is the setup okay, the rest of the album's going to be something like this. So if you're not with us now, you're not going to be with us for anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I think it's interesting because we do get, you know, if you obviously, um, you know, on Let's Pretend We're Married, we had Prince saying all the hippies sing, mm. uh, we caca, shushu, yeah, whatever that was. Um, here he has some kind of like um, ooh-la-la-las and, and stuff thrown in as well. So there's a kind of, a little bit of a kind of like chanting thing going on. Yeah. Um, and, you know... It, I, you know, we we actually get the kind of the almost interjection of Prince into the song later on because he says when he goes say Papa, I think I want to dance. Then we get the the synths coming in, mm. and you know, then it kind of it turns a bit more into a Prince song. Uh, although we do then also get Prince saying all the little babies sing around the world, yeah, which is kind of almost like you know the hippies sing together from 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 uh, Let's Pretend We're Married, yeah. and you know the final two lines are. A government of love and music, boundless in its unifying power. <laughs> a nation of arms, the production, sharing ideas, a shower of flowers. It's, you know, it's kind of so embarrassingly late 60s. Mm. But like I said, you know, the song came from David and, and Jonathan. It didn't come from Prince. Mm. So it's interesting how he's adapted this. And the fact that John L. Nelson has a, a kind of a writing credit as well. You don't know how much of this is, you know, a bit of Prince's father. You know, obviously him being a, you know, a, a well-renowned jazz musician, it feels like some of the jazz elements that are in here. There are some in there, you know, like some mm. of the extra instruments. Maybe that's his influence, or you know, maybe some of the lyrics are stuff that, you know, John L. Nelson had from the late '60s, and you know, maybe he's just given them to Prince here to put in. We don't know, kind of like the breakdown of of the influence. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, it, I I think the lyrics are kind of really kind of twee. It's just so kind of, it's just such an odd kind of start to this album. Yeah. Uh, though, you know, if you've seen the artwork and you kind of know some of the later songs, it does kind of fit with what Prince is doing here. Yeah, and that's the thing. As I said, as I said I'm kind of harping on it, but that's what it is. It's like, this is the setup for the rest of the album. It's like, okay, we're going in this direction. Come along with us. We'll see how you go. And that's essentially what it is. But yeah, as I said, it was yeah. a total weird thing when it came out because people were just like, what what's going on but yeah that's as i said it's just the setup for the rest of the album and the, the rest of the album kind of flows into it. it oh there's you know there's ballads and so forth but it kind of still fits this kind of hippie kind of even raspberry beret is a kind of a hippie-ish kind of song is it not now in terms of it's like you know obviously it was fairly well reviewed um but it's it also you know it did really it did reasonably well in terms of you know the album obviously purple rain was basically a number one album everywhere mm. this was a number one album in sweden oddly enough uh it was a number one album in the united states this is something that prince will continue for his next few albums you know they always have a tendency to at least reach number one on their debut mm. uh you know it, it fared slightly west well over here where it got to number five 
Um, you know, and in Australia, it only got to number 12. Yeah. Uh, it did a lot better in, you know, Germany and, and Norway, where it got to number 10. In New Zealand, it only got to number 16. Uh, and that's the same that it did in Canada. So obviously, smaller countries, neighboring larger countries seem to <laughs> not like it as much. Um, so yeah, you know, it, and it managed to get to 2 million, you know, sold um, eventually, um, you know, which is only, I mean, I think Purple Rain ended up getting to about 15 million sold. So you know, for anyone, two million would be a huge number. But you know, this is coming on Prince's biggest success, yeah. uh, and you know, for the rest of the eighties, it is a kind of slow downward slide as people kind of pay less attention to each new Prince album mm. until we get to Batman, um, yeah. and then you know he has a little bit of a resurgence after that. But as far as opening tracks go, it's a, a fairly weak one. You know, it's no let's go crazy. Uh, you know, it's no thunder. Um, <laughs> you know. So there are there are you know there are a number of other kind of more successful opening tracks I feel um this is kind of one of the weaker ones I would say 3 out of 5 which feels cruel but you know I I feel like the strongest songs on this album but also it's such a kind of a kind of odd follow up um that you you kind of don't know what to think but yeah for yeah. me it's only a 3 out of 5 I don't yeah. know how you feel about it Victor Yeah I got to agree as said it, like I said note, like I wrote some notes about this song and the notes are not much there <laughs> so it's kind of like it's a great song <laughs> to start but it's like okay let's get to the good stuff the good stuff's coming in coming in a moment so it's like yeah okay yeah. I agree Um so if there's nothing else to say about this then you know let's go to any plugs if there's anything you wish to plug Victor Okay now of course I don't have a podcast so I plug other people's things. So, <laughs> so I'll pick another Australian podcast. Um, a podcast called Tea with Alice. Now, uh, Alice Fraser is a Australian comic. She does this um, podcast, and it's not about comedy. It's actually about proper things, psychology, and this whole thing. So she's a very funny, smart, intelligent woman, and she just talks to people about things that matter in the world. So it's actually, it's it makes you think, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track, or you can follow us on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you can email us, don't know why you would, at Prince Track by Track at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me once again, Victor. No worries. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for having me again. And otherwise, goodbye. I'll return.